we all work so hard to produce the food that we consume. We work so hard to earn the money that we pay for the food that we consume. However we're getting our food, it does represent quite a commitment and an investment on our parts. And there's nothing worse once you've done all that than seeing it just go in the bin. So I can't remember the last time we put food in the bin and I would absolutely love it if I could help other people move in that direction. Hello and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 108 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I do hope you're all safe and well. Episode 108, I'm starting to lose track a little bit and it takes me that little bit longer every time to uh, go back through and work out what number we're on. So I'm sure in the episodes to come there will be some fumbling around and I'll probably get it wrong a few times but so far I think I've nailed it and uh, this is definitely episode 108. So first of all I want to just say thank you all for listening. I want to take a second just to explain to those of you who are new to podcasts and I know I have some people because some people have actually contacted me about this. Just make sure you are subscribed to the show and if you're not sure how to do that then get in touch and I can talk you through it or find a friend who knows and they can talk you through it. So subscribing to the show costs absolutely nothing and if you're currently going out and hunting the show down every few days or every week or every so often it will basically take away the need to do that. If you're listening on a smartphone you get an app, a podcast app, and you subscribe to the podcasts that you want to listen to, and they are automatically just there when they're released, ready to be listened to. So make sure you are subscribed if you're not already, and ask for help if you need it. With that out of the way, I want to talk today about food waste. Now, food waste is something that I think we have got pretty much nailed down in our house. There are several parts to it that I want to discuss. You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. And of course, as always, they're all interconnected. So we'll try and wander our way through the maze of food waste and talk about all the different components that go into planning reducing your food waste or getting as close to zero as you can. In our house, like I say, I think we are at complete zero. However, there's a couple of caveats to that, and they're where I want to start. So the first thing I want to say is that there is 
ultimately somewhere all your food waste can go to make sure it's not actually going to waste and that is either animals or compost. Now these are both valuable parts of our system and when we take food that would otherwise be going to waste and we feed it to our animals or we put it in our compost we're retaining that energy within our systems but there's something to bear in mind when we do that. I started with these and I mentioned them as caveats because what I want to say is that they're really sort of backstops when all the other methods fail when everything else hasn't quite worked out or when there's no other option this is where our food waste goes and it is a huge part of the reason why we're able to say we have zero food waste on our property. However, putting them into other animals or into the compost aren't necessarily the best economic use of them. What we have to bear in mind is that the cost of finding other things that we can do those, serve those purposes with, basically, we can replace the food that we're feeding to our animals with other sources relatively cheaply and easily. We can replace the food that's going into our compost with other sources of nutrients fairly simply and easily. So what I'm trying to say is that the food that we put in our bodies, the food that we actually eat, that's the food that is hardest to replace. That's the stuff that we put most of our effort into producing and growing and making. So it's really a case of using all of our leftover food and byproducts of our food to go into that part of our system, that's where the real gains can be made. And I consider the use of our animals to feed our food waste to as a useful way of reducing waste and also obviously keeping costs down in other areas, but that's the last resort when all else has failed. So with that out the way, I do want to stress the importance of having those things because of course we all want lovely, lovely compost for our gardens and most of us, I imagine, have got hens or some other kind of animal and we want to feed them and of course giving them our table scraps and things like that is going to be a huge benefit to them. They're going to really, really enjoy it. I know that our chickens, as a real treat, the best thing I could give them is some of our leftovers from our evening meals. So if you do have animals and you have a compost pile, then that is certainly a fantastic use of your waste food products when all else fails. But there may be other uses we can get out of them first. And I'm not just talking about table scraps, the bits that are left on our plate at the end of meal. I'm talking about trimmings of our vegetables and other parts of leftovers as well. Now, of course, in the process of constructing our meals, constructing our dinners and our lunches and our breakfasts, there is a lot more than just the raw ingredients. There's also the time and the energy involved. So the first thing I'm going to say to help reduce food waste is to plan your meals a little bit. And what we do, and it's not a system I think we'd ever change, regardless of how our lifestyles may be limited or change in the future, I don't think this is something we'd ever change. And that is that we plan our meals in the weekends in such a fashion that we're kind of at the weekend I'll go into our chest freezer I'll take out whatever meat and possibly vegetables whatever we're kind of planning on using that week so for instance this weekend just passed I took out a joint of pork now that's going to feed our family for two evenings I also took out 
a piece of minced beef, which we'll probably also get two family meals out of. And finally, I took out a whole chicken. And again, we will probably get two meals out of that. So that's six nights worth of dinners from those three pieces of meat. And then what I also did, I did that at the start of the weekend. And then at the end of the weekend is I actually cooked at least one of those joints into two evening worth of meals. So this is really the other part I'm trying to get to, and I'm getting there quite in a convoluted fashion, but we cook more than one meal at a time. So the portions that I'm cooking are much larger than we're going to eat in one evening. And what this does is it effectively halves, at least halves, if not reduces it further, the amount of time that I actually have to spend cooking. Now, I love cooking. So the goal is not to stop cooking, the goal is just to be more efficient with my time because if I spend two hours every day preparing a beautiful, nutritious, delicious meal for my family, then that's two hours every single day that I can't be doing other things. And as I'm sure you're all aware, there's simply not enough hours in the day if I want to do all the other things that I want to achieve to spend that amount of time cooking. The other advantage is it's using half the amount of time with the oven or the hobs or whatever else. So there's much less energy use, much less energy use in the preparation and the washing up as well, less hot water. Now these are all very, very marginal gains, but if you're familiar with my way of thinking and the sort of the permaculture way of thinking and the interconnectivity of everything, then you'll know that these marginal gains are all very, very important to me. And Stacking these marginal gains on top of each other is when we really start to see the benefits. So it's not unheard of, it's unusual, but it's not unheard of for me to cook, say, three separate meals on a Saturday or Sunday to effectively make six different meals through the week because we'll get two meals out of each. Now, that's not to say that necessarily we are going to eat those six meals in the week. We might do something like eat one of those meals and the other one we'll put in the freezer for use at a later date. And of course, when we do that, we would take something out that we froze on a previous week. So we're always getting our six evenings worth of meals from three sets of cookings, if you like. So that's the first thing. But that doesn't really address the issue of the wasting food. That's just wasting some time and energy or rather not wasting time and energy, but there's an economy of time and energy that's there to be gained if you choose to do it that way. But it doesn't really address the wastage of food. So we'll get into that next. It's really easy for you to get in touch with us. You can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message. You can send us a voice message just using your phone. You could also reach out to us on Facebook, where we have the Self-Sufficient Hub group and the Self-Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. So... 
as I've already established, when I cook, I cook quite large portions, and this goes for everything. I'm always putting more on the table than it's than is going to be eaten, and I'm always mindful when I do that that I've got a kind of plan in mind for what will be left over, or at least I'm using things that I'm comfortable finding something that I can do with the leftovers of. Now, of course, going right back to where we started this episode, having that backstop of the compost and the chickens and the pigs and the other animals that need feeding is a huge benefit in this regard. But when it comes to leftovers, my primary goal is to reuse them into other family meals. So there's not really anything that can't be used in a second meal. So a lot of it is about creativity and having some useful bits and bobs on hand. One of the things I've purchased in the last two years is a mincer. So if we've got a leftover joint and it's a big chunk of meat, for instance, if we've cooked a large leg of pork or something and we've not eaten all of it, then I will obviously I'll slice some up and that will go in the fridge and we'll use that for sandwiches or something similar. But what I may choose to do is run the cooked pork through the mincer and then use that to make a completely different dish. So we're kind of mixing it up a little bit. I might use that cooked minced pork and put that in some kind of creamy tarragon sauce and serve that with some potato wedges or something similar and then we've got a completely different meal so we might get two meals out of the joint of pork insofar as it actually being a joint and then we'll get some sandwiches as well and then a third completely different meal so we're not always eating the same thing but you don't need a mincer to do this of course it's just handy to give you that other option to create a little bit of variety. But meat, I think, is the one thing that we super value. We try and stretch our meat. We try and make it go as far as we can. And there's a few tips I've got for doing that. So if you're not familiar with making your own shredded pork or pulled chicken, pulled pork, then that's something we do a great deal of to make our meat go a long, long way. It's surprising how many meals you can get out of a pulled chicken breast. You can really stretch that meat. Now, obviously, in our house, meat is one of the things that is most cost and labor intensive to produce so we're trying to make it go as far as we can we're often eating vegetarian meals and the meals that we do have with meat we really do savor it and appreciate the meat and make it last so by using pulled chicken and pulled pork that's one way that we can do it of course using diced finely diced meat is another version of that But anything you can do to sort of spread that meat out is always useful, at least it is in our house. Another thing we do is we use beans a tremendous amount to bulk out dishes. So we reduce the amount of meat that we might use in something like a bolognese, and we might add some beans in there instead. So these are all ways of stretching your meat. When we've got leftover meat, as I've said before, that's something we're always going to reuse, always, whether it's just going to be a case of slicing it up for sandwiches that might go into school lunches, or whether it's going to be dicing it and using it and making a curry or something. So leftover meat is something that we would never, ever waste, and I strongly recommend that you do the same. When we have waste products from meat, perhaps there's some trimmings that we don't want, then we can always use these to make things like stocks. Now, making stocks and soups is something that I'm actually going to talk about in huge depth in our Self-Reliant Skills series, because I think it's something that 
in modern society is something that we've kind of lost the skills of. And it's something that makes up a huge part, particularly in our winter diets at our homestead, is soups. And we always use stocks. Now, stocks are a great base for soups. They're a great base for sauces. But they're also a great way of adding flavour to things that you might otherwise not I mentioned in a recent YouTube video, actually, mushroom stock. So here's a great example of how we're reducing our food waste. Now, as you know, I love to forage for mushrooms. We have quite a lot of dried mushrooms in our house at any given time because we are always drying them to save them for future use. When you rehydrate dried mushrooms, the method we use is we just boil a kettle and then we pour the water over the mushrooms and let it steep there for about 20 minutes and then pour off the water. Well, that leaves you with some beautiful mushrooms that are ready to use pretty much any way you like, but it also gives you the water, which when I first started doing this, we would just pour away. We'd pour down the sink, but recently I've discovered that that's a waste, a complete waste, and I've started decanting that into bottles, which gives me this amazing amazing mushroom stock it's really rich really full of flavor and that mushroom stock is going to be fantastic to make things like gravies to make things like soups and any other kind of sauce base that might benefit from that mushroom flavor it's going to really add a depth of flavor to those dishes so by saving those stocks we are reducing our food waste you know I, we're never going to need to buy stock cubes or anything like that and you shouldn't need to either that's one way we make stocks, the other way is vegetables. You can find Self Sufficient Hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places. We have a YouTube channel, we also have our website, and now there's our Facebook page and Facebook group. Links to all of these you can find in the show notes. Come check us out. Now, if you are of a certain age, I'm in my mid-40s, and when I was growing up, the prevailing wisdom when people boiled vegetables was they would boil them until they were mushy. And I like to think, although I've, got, I've done no research to, to back this up, so I've no evidence to back up this claim, but I'd like to think that the reason for that was because my gran and people who lived through and grew up a war and a time when there really wasn't an abundance of things, then the actual stock, the water that those vegetables were boiled in, was far too useful to not let it have some flavour. So they would overcook, in my opinion, of course everyone's different, they'd overcook their vegetables, but then they would harness that flavour that was effectively boiled out of the veg in the water and not throw it away, and they'd use that water to make their gravies and stocks with. So that's just one use of vegetable stock, basically the water that you've boiled vegetables in. But you can use it to make a super stock or a kind of stock that enhances over time. Now again, I'm going to get into that more in our Stocks and Soups episode, so you'll have to bear with me for that. But I'm just trying to get to the point that these days it's less important to save that water perhaps if you're not cooking your vegetables for so long because they're retaining much more of their goodness and their their flavour. That isn't getting out into the water. But you still can and there's a way that even by 
really boiling quite lightly, you can still use the slight amount of flavor that's in that water. And I'll get into that in that episode that I mentioned. So stay tuned. Another way that we waste food with our vegetables is by discarding so much of the plant that can be used. So a great example of this is things like carrots that we kind of we discard so much of the edible part of the carrot the greens the the peel these are all things that you know we we would never peel a carrot in our house we just make sure we really wash them quite thoroughly and there's so much wastage that goes out just with the peel on things potatoes are another great example so there are occasions that we peel potatoes but they are very very rare we tend to cook things with the skins on so rather than traditional peeled and then part boiled roasted potatoes for a roast dinner we might do them with the skins on and we might do wedges for example which we can cook using all the same methods that you'd use for roast potatoes but just to cook potato wedges instead they're just as delicious and you're not wasting that part of the plant if you are going to peel your potatoes of course you can keep those peelings and you can use them to make other things you know you quite often see fried potato peel or potato skins they call it in restaurants don't they but potato skins are an item in themselves that can be considered an ingredient so just have a little think about the greens that you're stripping from your plants you know can they be used as a vegetable in their own right chard is another one where people might strip the leaves and strip the stems away and discard them but cooked separately they are a fantastic separate vegetable to the leaf so just by having a little bit of thought about the parts of the plant that we're using and not using we can reduce our waste here as well now if you are producing a lot of potato skins more than you're going to eat then i'm not suggesting that you have to completely change your diet but maybe you want to choose to for instance if you're peeling a lot of potatoes and you're cooking roast potatoes in your oven then put those potato skins in the oven as well in a separate tray just for 10 or 15 minutes and then feed them to your chickens and your pigs because they're going to enjoy them that little bit more if they're cooked so that's just another way of getting a little bit more from the things that we might otherwise discard and throw out ultimately the most satisfaction i get is when i'm able to construct a separate meal completely from leftovers and there's you know little pleasure other that's greater than that for me so Chinese is one example I might use some leftover vegetables to make a stir fry and the only thing I might add to those leftover vegetables will be a little bit of soy sauce perhaps or I might go and grab some ginger and use that to enhance the flavor I might make an egg fried rice with some leftover rice we have some leftover meat I can chop that up nice and finely and just grab a few eggs and make a delicious egg fried rice or a chicken fried rice or a pork fried rice or something like that serve that with my stir fried vegetables and I've got a meal that bar a couple of eggs and a few spices I've created completely from leftovers and of course the list goes on now you're going to be a little bit limited by your own cooking skill and experience in the kitchen but these are just like any other skill you know they rely on your practice and your endeavor and you're willing to give things a go so don't be put off by anything give it a try and every single amazing dish that you had in a restaurant has come from someone practicing and making mistakes and learning from them so 
the world really is your oyster and especially if you're only cooking for your family you know or even better still if you're only cooking for yourself then you can really afford to be experimental the best use of your leftovers of your trimmings is to use them in a meal for you or your family so make sure you try and do that the only thing i don't think i have mentioned are bones now bones of course we all know are going to be great for making stocks so your chicken carcasses are going to be useful for making chicken stocks that you're going to use again to make soups and things but really another use for bones is going to be in our household we're going to be using them to feed once they've been put through the stock we're going to use them to feed to our pigs our dogs and then ultimately they are going to be composted down now I've spoke in my composting episodes that when we're talking about things that are going to take a long time to compost, you might want a separate pile for them. So that's just something to bear in mind. Like I say, there's so much to talk about on this topic and it's all interconnected, just like everything else we do. I hope you've found something interesting there. I hope you've come away with at least one or two ideas of things you might be able to do to reduce your food waste. I thank you as always so much for listening and I will speak to you on Monday. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.